Welcome to the Go Shout Love podcast. My name is Josh Veach, and I am one of the directors of Go Shout Love, along with my wife, Rochelle. At Go Shout Love, we're committed to doing amazing things for families with kids on rare medical journeys. Each month, we share the story of a family, or in some cases, multiple families, with a child on a rare medical journey. We tell their story all month long, and we celebrate what makes these kids awesome. And then we give everyday, ordinary people just like me and you the opportunity to show up big and support them financially through the purchase of creative apparel inspired by the kiddos. A lot of our episodes are introducing you to that month's featured families at a deeper level. So if you listen to our last two episodes, you will meet two amazing kids from Lincoln, Nebraska that we are featuring in November. But in this episode, I get to introduce you to one of our team members who is also one of my very best friends, Seth Carnell. I've known Seth as long as I can remember, and we've been able to have a lot of great memories together. He is a committed husband, dad, and he's incredibly passionate about using his gifts in a way that benefits others. And one of the ways in which he does that is through the storytelling he does for us here at Go Shout Love. Seth is the one behind the camera, He's the one editing all of our videos, as well as handling the production of many of our podcast episodes. I'm incredibly thankful for the work that he does, his passion for our families, and of course, his friendship. I hope you enjoy getting to know him a bit. Here's my chat with Seth. Seth, welcome to the Go Shout Love podcast. Hi, Josh. It's good to have you, and I hope it's okay for you to feel on the on a different side of the microphone in some ways. I'm glad it's simply not in front of a camera. I like being behind the scenes as much as possible. Yeah. So you are, um, we, people know you because you are often a voice on the podcast. You do a lot of our um, intros and uh, kind of a, a host, one of our hosts. You do a lot of uh, re- recordings with families. Yeah. Um, but you're also, we... We tout you as our storyteller for Go Shout Love. And so a lot of that means uh, the podcast, but also um, in video. You do a lot of our video work, all of our video work. And so we're going to get to all of that. But before we get into your role and what you do for Go Shout Love, um, like we do for most guests, we'd really just like to meet Seth, the person. So tell us about Seth, the person. Well, um, I have, so you want to start with family, maybe? Sure. Set the person, you know, well, I like, well, I like baseball. I let's, like. <laughs> let's start by going way back. Um, let's go way back. Seth, the person, uh, I don't remember a history in my life where I don't know Seth, the person. Um, you and I grew up together. Um, your dad. We did. We did. Your dad was in for many years, I guess, for a while. Your dad was um, the pastor of the church in our hometown, my hometown, and so you and I were pretty inseparable for several years until your parents, uh, without without our consultation, uh, made a decision to move and take a different We've church. We've never and... really addressed that with them. The grudge is still there. <laughs> Forgiveness is essential, and I've, I've tried to fully forgive, but it, it's not wholly complete <laughs> there's serious scarring that happens there's in scarring lives. there for sure yeah so anyway <laughs> we've been close for a long time and so i have i know a lot about you and i know but our listeners do not so tell us let's start with family okay um 
I have uh, we I've been married for twelve years to McKenna, awesome, beautiful woman. In case she's listening to this, um, we have three boys. Uh, there's Charles, who's about to turn nine next week. That's a <laughs> that's an eye opener. Um, we have Bryce, who we adopted a f- couple years ago, and Spencer, who we're in the process of adopting right now. We live in Overland Park, Kansas. Never thought I would uh, actually live in Kansas City, but I fell in love with this city. It's a fantastic place to live, to raise a family. Um, the humidity is awful, but <laughs> you know what? Not not every place is perfect. The barbecue well makes up for it. Absolutely. Okay, so three kids. Three um, kids. And uh, you mentioned that one was uh, that Bryce was adopted and that Spencer is in process. So um, that has come through the foster system. Correct. And that's part of that's a story that you and I kind of share. Rochelle and I have kind of gone down that path as well. But yeah. for you and McKenna, what what did that journey look like? What got you into the process of fostering and then ultimately adopting? Um, so we had Charles in 2010 and uh, when he was about three we said okay let's try for another and then for three or four years it just wasn't happening um no explanation we did some fertility treatments uh it was a couple year journey before um we started contemplating adoption and we were going to go down the private adoption route but we had a couple of friends who had just entered to the foster system and they had uh taken placement of a couple of girls, young, young girls who needed adopted. Um, and what we thought was a joke at the time, it wasn't a joke. Uh, the, the foster mom, her name's Melissa. She came up to us and said, well, do you want to adopt them? And her personality, you know, she's serious pretty much about whatever she says. And Ken and I both, we came home, we said, well, yeah, that sounds great. Let's do it. So we took the foster classes, which is a 10-week course. So entertaining. That's not true. <laughs> um, it was a really good course. So we had a really good class. Um, but it's 10 weeks long. And about halfway through the class, uh, the girls were adopted by somebody else, mm. somebody who was already licensed and could, and could take placement. In fact, in fact it might have been family. I don't remember that. You, you know how that works. Right. Kinship is is a preferred placement, especially in the state of Kansas. Sure. Um, so it would have been a long road anyway. Um, but after they were adopted, we just said, well, let's keep going. Let's finish out our license and just see where this journey takes us. Yeah. And what year um, was that? That was 2016. Yeah, Charlie was about six at the time, five or six, mm-hmm. when we finished our, our license. Um, and then we got our first placement that May, um, who was not an adoptable kid actually. Mm -hmm. So that kind of changed our trajectory. I mean, we still, we still wanted to adopt. We still wanted to, uh, grow our family, but we developed a, a passion for, for also helping, um, some of these kiddos and, and some of the parents who really want to turn things around. Yeah. And I think that's one of the um, hardest parts about the foster system for 
some people that go into it, some people that go into it with the mindset of the goal being adoption. Yeah. Um, because that's, that's a natural conflict of what the actual stated goal of foster care is. For sure. Because from the foster care side of things, adoption is the last resort. The mm-hmm. ultimate goal is reunification. And so there's this vulnerability that comes in becoming a foster parent that is um, you're recognizing that you're putting yourself in a position where you may come to grow to love a child or children that are in your care, knowing that at the end of the day, what may be best for them, or at least what the court decides is best for them, is to not be in your care, is for them yeah. to go back with family uh, or to go back to, you know, or go to, uh, you know, an extended family member through kinship or something like that. And there's um, a wide range of emotions and sure experiences is. that that go coincide with that. Watching our first placement go back to his mom was one of the highlights of our foster journey. Mm-hmm. And we still get to have a relationship with him and with her. And it's been fantastic. We've also seen kids uh, go back home in a situation that we don't feel comfortable about. And those are heartbreaking moments. Right. Um, kids that you've invested in for months and if you've seen them through um, some medical issues and some other stuff and, you know, you've been taking care of them only to go back to a situation that, ah, uh, it's, it's tough to watch. It, it, it stinks. It really yeah. does. Yep. It's a, uh, it's a really, um, emotional season. Um, for Rochelle and I, we, uh, we were licensed. We went on the, we went on the open list for birth to 10 and oh, that's uh, right. You did old. You did older. Yeah. Older and than if we, we were licensed for, if we had it to do over again, we probably would have started um, much younger. Um, simply because we just weren't equipped. We weren't ready for that. Um, and so we, you know, we went from being married for you know just the two of us for, gosh, I guess probably ten years uh, or eight years, something like that, and then getting the placement of a ten-year-old in July. Um, who was uh, just was a foster placement, not an adoptive placement. And then right. Lyle was placed with us, who was an adoptive placement um, in um, October. So f- we went in a three-month period. We <laughs> doubled our family size and, and we're trying to navigate all that. And it, it really stretched us and it grew us. Yeah. And uh, we really learned, I mean, it was, a, it was a hard season, but we learned a lot about ourselves. We learned a lot about our faith. We... I mean, you have to get real with your selfishness. Like there's yeah. part of that's just natural when you become a parent in general. But when you're when you are taking on some struggles and um challenges and, and situations, you know, with the, the kiddo that comes into your home, um, you are taking you are inviting in all of the all of their experiences as well. Mm-hmm. Like their whole past, good, bad, and ugly, it's coming into your front door, and it's yeah. it's sitting at your dinner and you, table. And you develop you develop this. Uh, I, I guess maturity is the best way I could say it. That may you may not have experienced for about a couple more decades. Um, being as young as we are, we are forced into some very real situations, mm-hmm. some very uncomfortable situations that we never would have been in had it not been for the foster system. Right. And uh, there's it. That's just that breeds growth in you as a person and as a couple. Yeah. What, how would you say that you and, um, Kenna have grown because of that decision to, um, get into fostering and adopting? 
Um, some of that, um, you notice when we interview a lot of these go shout love families. Now, not that fostering is the same as having a child on the rare medical journey, but what the parallel is, you can see that, um, as a couple, they've had to rely on each other a lot more. Um, they've had to see each other in moments of heartbreak, um, moments where instead of talking out, you simply just sit in silence and weep together. Um, those moments really reinforce and really develop a foundation in a person and in our marriage because you've seen hard life. Again, not the same thing. Sure. Um, but maybe some of the relational elements are, are similar. I've, I feel that's the case. There's some very real relational elements there. there. There's a motherly instinct inside of Kenna that never got fulfilled by having more kids of her own. And even on top of that, she's a... She's a uh, NICU nurse um, at a hospital who works nights. And so she sees um, a variety of very difficult situations of kids being born into tough situations and then bringing on kiddos and foster care. She's had to develop um, a maturity beyond her years. And I've gotten to walk, walk alongside of her with that. Um, I hope I don't know if that's making any sense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I feel like we can have more in-depth conversations sometimes with people who are older than us, because they've seen some hard life too. Um, it's just it's it's a unique balance. Well, and it's a what what I experienced in in um, I'll never forget my first um, family support team meeting that I went to as a foster mm. dad, um, and. At that time, we were brand new, and I was wrestling with all of these, you know, man, what's going on with this little guy? Like, why why this or why that? I'm trying to process. Yeah. And then I witness um, firsthand from his mom, like, certain things, and I'm like, it just, it opened up my eyes. It's like, it's, yeah. it's a side of society that I knew was there, but I had never been um, fully connected to or well, fully and witnessed. You, and I realized it's no wonder this guy, this little guy is struggling with this yeah. and this and this, this is all that's been modeled for him. Mm-hmm. And so he has literally been in survival mode his whole life. And it, it really, um, it really, it broke my heart, but it also gave me fresh perspective to better care for him in that season. But yeah, it's a hard it's a hard thing. In a very bittersweet way, it opens up your mind and perspective to a lot of real-world situations that prior to fostering or whatever, you wouldn't have been in front of. Right. And as, yeah, it's a it's an empathy builder for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, moving moving away from, from that side of things, tell us a little right. bit about how you got uh, connected to Go Shout Love. That's your fault. That's my fault. <laughs> Uh, no, honestly, I'm very thankful for that. Um, I was doing some, uh, I've always wanted to do more video work, freelance video work. Um, I've been, I was working for a church as their production director and, um, you came calling with a, uh, potential, uh, project for doing Go Shout Love. You had been connected with Kristen and doing some, I believe, marketing work with her. Right. Yep. Um, and then the I, I guess it just fell into that you guys wanted to do some video work to highlight these kiddo, these kiddos, 
and you came to me. Yeah. And so, and that... I think uh, the first one we did was Ivy mm-hmm. in yep. San Diego. Yep. It was a great experience. It really was. Yeah. And uh, I think um, it was really, it was uh, an encouraging experience because it, uh, I think, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I think one of the things that we, we both, um, appreciate is doing work where people are at the center, um, telling stories and helping craft messages that are, um, more than selling widgets, more than just selling stuff Mm -hmm. and getting to see Ivy. And then many of the kids since then, I think has just, um, I think probably for you too, but has really, I think solidified that direction of, doing work where people are at the center. You know, when you do, when you do video, um, and commercial work, you always go into this mindset of wanting to be on large production sets, um, and film crews and stuff like that. And although that's to a degree true, what doing go shot love at the beginning, especially developed a purpose, um, for my set of skills, which is storytelling for people real stories, real people that have a positive impact. Mm-hmm. Um, and people whose stories deserve to be told. A lot of them go overlooked because, you know, they either either nobody has approached them to reach out or they just there's just not a means for it. Right. Um, but that's what Go Shout Love had I kind of started in me was that purpose of telling those kind of stories. Yeah. Well how did you get started in video work what was the what was the path that uh, led you down that well it's, it's kind of started in high school now i've always been fascinated with how things are made when it comes to video um like behind the scenes in movies or one of my favorite is how they do those um uh world documentaries have you seen seen like planet earth mm-hmm. or whatever i just love watching how things are made um, and then in high school i got on to you know, because I'm I'm so cool and jock like the AV crew <laughs> to to broadcast basketball games and stuff like that. Um, and from there, just like I just want to do more of this, so I went to college and studied media, uh, all forms of it: television, radio, newspaper, journalism. Um, and then from there, kind of developed. Uh, a small clientele, as every videographer does. I went and did a lot of weddings just to learn camera work and to uh, make some money. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, then it started turning into being able to tell impactful stories. Um, I like being behind a camera. I get I I obsess over light. That stuff is fun just to see how different light affects different objects inside of a camera, messing with lenses. Um, there's an amazing array of, of affordable, awesome cameras out there. Um, that's what I geek out about. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I don't know if that answered those questions, yeah, but yeah, yeah that's, that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah, the video, it's amazing how much um, technology has changed what's possible with video in the last and by possible, I mean affordable. Yeah. Uh, in the last decade, especially, um, well, with DSLRs and even like drone footage right. is so much more obtainable. Um, what's it's crazy amazing is the outcome that you can get even 10 years ago, you and I wouldn't be able to shoot the kind of video for these families that we could now. No way. Mm-mm. Even, 
you know, with phones still developing their cameras. But the capabilities now are fantastic. Um, such great image quality. And you can tell some great stories in the process. Right, absolutely. So you you spent time in uh, production um, Correct. for a church and mm-hmm. for several years. Uh, yeah. How long were you at the church? Uh, seven years. Seven years. And that just came to an end, what, a month ago? Uh, beginning of October. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so how has that adjustment into full-time self-employment looked for you? Um, it's quite an adjustment because right now I'm sitting at home whereas I would be at an office doing something. However, those seven years developed me into a, uh, a videographer cause I did a lot of video work for them and I was able to make a lot of connections and work on different projects for a bunch of different people. So though that seven years I see is not only as a sustainable job, but as a stepping stone to becoming a, the video storyteller that I think that I am and that I could be. Right. Um, so what I've done over the past month is taken some of those connections and start to develop those. Um, I would like to work on some bigger projects just so that I can grow and develop. One of the struggles I'm working uh, nonprofit or charitable or for a church is there's no crew, mm-hmm. you know, and for creatives, um, although there's a level of competition, what also exists is collaboration and um, you can only be so creative or you can only grow so much without that collaboration. And that's what I need right now mm-hmm. um, is to is to work alongside some other people so that the work that I do for the companies, um, these do good organizations, um, I want that work to improve. Um, so I have my clients. I have about four or five regular clients and then some other projects that I'm pursuing and I'm keeping busy. It's been great. That's awesome. That's awesome. I'm really excited for you and proud of you because hey, I know that's been something that's uh, been on your should I, or should I, yeah. I not type of uh, list. And so <laughs> it's a hard thing. I, you know, we've talked it about is. that before, but I'm, I'm proud of you for, uh, for uh, doing it. And, uh, ditto my man, it was not an easy jump for you to go full time on your own. And, um, there's a certain level it, of freedom that comes that's, uh, hard to replace. So. Right. There's freedom and terror. <laughs> that's right. It's, uh, it's like, uh, it's like the seasons. We both live in the Midwest, and uh, just this last <laughs> week, um, last Sunday, it was like 60 degrees. We were all outside with you know short sleeves or whatever, being able just to play outside. And then 36 hours later, it's there's ice on the ground and there's no school the next day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I feel like that the weather in the Midwest is like if you could compare that to like the emotional swings of being self-employed. It's it's kind of the same. Like in the same day, you can feel like, oh, this is awesome. I'm killing it. I right. love life. And then, you know, later that day, you get an email or something that goes wrong. And it's like, what have I what have I done to my family? I'm the worst. You know, I'm the worst. <laughs> um, I, I suck at everything. We're not going to make it. And so I think part of that journey is just figuring out how to how to stay away from the extremes and kind of you just described my Monday morning. It was 35 (laughs) degrees and frost on the car. And I was feeling really bad about freelance videography. And now, you know, it's like 60 outside and I'm feeling okay. The soul's feeling a little sunny too. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Oh man. Yeah. It's, 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 uh, 
it's a journey, but it's a good one. And it's one worth taking when you, uh, when you believe in the work that you're doing. And I know that you do. Correct. So, uh, with go shout love, what's been your favorite experience so far? That that is a very difficult question to answer. Um, I'll, I'll answer it in two different ways. One of them would be, um, as a whole, I've enjoyed doing the podcasts. Mm. I've enjoyed giving a platform to these families who, who have not been asked to give a platform a lot of times, just simply tell us what life is like in a very honest and open way. Um, that's been very enlightening, eye-opening, um, some, some of the hardest stories and some of the, the most joyful stories. Um, and then as far as like hard examples, there's two in particular um, where you see an influence of community on these kiddos in, when you meet them. One of them was uh, Micah in South California, mm-hmm. Southern California, where when we showed up, uh, he had a crew of friends, the friends that nominated him, but they were all wearing Go Shout Love t-shirts mm-hmm. from different kiddos, nowhere near them. You right. know, they were wearing Sophia's and Emery's and uh, Ellie's. And it was fantastic just to watch that. It was one of the best. Uh, and we only spent like two and a half hours with them, I think, total. But it was it was like spending two and a half hours with family. It was great. Mm, that's cool. Um, they were very welcoming. Um, and, and excited for us to be there. And the second was not too uh, long ago with, um, Sutton to watch, uh, uh, these kids unveil this swing for her. Um, they, there was a level of inclusion, which I think, uh, I, I, I really tried to stress lately because these kids want to feel included in stuff. Um, and that was a blessing to witness. Um, so there you go Two. Yeah. It's hard to pick those out because there's been a lot of good experiences. Yeah, the the uh, the local school had raised funds for yeah um, a James. wheelchair um, swing, and so um, Sutton got to got to experience mm-hmm. and a everyday recess like other kids get to. And these little kids were so excited to share it for. To them, Sutton was just any other kid, right? Um, and that's what I would want to see more of. Yeah. Not just kids to kids, but adults to adults. Inclusion yeah. is big. Right. Um, what about difficult experiences? Have you had any of those? Any moments that it's taken time to process? Um, the, our first time highlighting more than one family uh, at a time. We were, again, Southern California. Um, and although there was a lot of joyful moments, like I said, there are some some very difficult things to um, to process when you're not used to it. So meeting, I think we met three or four families in one day. Um, and not only does it just become an exhausting day, but there's some really tough topic, tough topics that you, that you cover. Right. Um, it's, be, it's beyond physical exhaustion. There's right. a certain level and of emotional and mental capacity there, that gets reached too. There is emotional, mental, physical, spiritual, and then all you want to do is give these people the world. You know, you want mm-hmm. to, you're like, well, let's let's surround them with love, and you want it to happen in that moment, <laughs> right? Um, and it gets it gets uh, it. You feel very worn out. Yeah, 
um, in a good way. So, I mean, it's, it's hard to pick out a tough moment, but I guess we ended one day on meeting um, James and his parents. And it was one of the best conversations we've ever had. Um, but, you know, you, you hear about his prognosis and you hear about how they found out, you know, they went from having one of the most joyful, expecting, expecting to have one of the most joyful days in their life. No indication. Crash, yeah, no indication. No indication come crashing down. And then to have like all of their community need not know how to surround them. They mm-hmm. spoke of some loneliness and it was just, it's just tough to hear. Yeah. Yeah. What about um, t-shirts? What's been your favorite t-shirt or other product that you've, <laughs> that you've had from Go Shall Love? Actually, I wear my, I wear, I wear, I wear my hoodie a lot now. Yeah. Um, they, are pretty, have, they are super soft. They are so soft. Um, I feel like I'm betraying some people when I pick up my favorite shirt, but clarifying that we are picking out the design, your favorite design, not correct. Not, your, not a family. You're not giving any favoritism to family. So there's no guilt involved in this choice. Yeah. I have my list of favorite families over here. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, my favorite design, and I believe a lot in intentionality, um, was probably Pittsburgh. Uh, first of all, the yellow and, or the, the golden black, mm-hmm. you know, spoke to all of their sports teams there pretty much. Right. Um, and then the bridge design was just really well done. Um, yeah, I, and it was I really liked that shirt. Yeah, it came together Every, really Everything well. about that shirt encompassed Pittsburgh. Yeah, cool. Very cool. Um, you designed that one, right? I concepted that one, yeah. Came up concepted, with it. Yep. yep, and then Pat, kind of sketched, on Josh's it, back. sketched it and said, hey, designer at Cracker Jack Shack, which is our printer, can you can you make this look better than what I have? And they did it, so yeah. As we wrap up here, I one of the things that I love about you, Seth, is not just the friendship that we've had over the years, um, and the which work, is awesome, and the work, yes, and being able to travel sometimes together has been good. Um, beyond the work that you do, um, is that you really are passionate about these families. You're passionate about the cause, um, and you really believe in it. And um, and so, if if there was somebody that's that's listening to this episode, and um, you know, maybe they've made a purchase in a previous month because of, uh, being connected to a family, or maybe they've just never made a purchase yet. Um, what would you, what would you tell them if they're on the verge of making a purchase to support a family or especially on the verge of, of, um, you know, thinking about becoming a monthly shout or a monthly subscriber that helps a family every month. Um, what would you tell them? What would you tell them about the, the buying experience and what it means to, to get, a t-shirt every month that's inspired by a family yeah oh man that's a that's a tough question to answer articulately because you know you know you know how you feel inside about it mm-hmm. but to be able to briefly explain you know how you how how much you want something for these families is is tough uh first i would say you know thanks for making you know that first purchase uh it's probably for a a friend or a family member or something. And that's fantastic. Um, I get a shirt every month and I'm connected with these kids because I've gotten to meet a lot of them. I still think I would do it even ha- had I not gotten to meet these. Cause I believe now in a world, um, where we have to be intentional with what we do and a very easy and tangible way to be intentional 
is to change what you wear to be beneficial to somebody who needs it. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you feel passionate about kids on rare medical journeys, not even necessarily the ones that you might be connected with, knowing that you're uh, contributing every month and also wearing something that could spark a conversation or could spark growth to benefit that family or another family um, is is that that value is immeasurable. Yeah. Um, you can do good with anything now simply by wearing a t-shirt or, you know, a mug. And I know, I know I say that every time that we open or close a podcast, but it's true. I go out in public and I wear my Go Shout Love shirt and the next day I wear another one. I was, (laughs) when (laughs) I, uh, I was, uh, it was my last day or last two days at the church, um, that I was working at. And one of the guys kind of joked, and he's like, let's guess how many Go Shout Love shirts that Seth has, because that's all I wear now. Yeah. Um, and, and they all guessed, and they were all wrong. You know, were they, they all too like, low? They were all too low. I was like, no, I have 15 <laughs> or 16. I, th- yeah. I, think I've, I think I'm now almost to 20, um, which is very difficult to wear 20 shirts in the matter of a, of a seven-day span, because I try <laughs> to get them all in. That, that, that's not true. Um, but I know that every time I put one on, there's a chance that somebody might ask me about it. Mm. Um, and that means that, uh, like this month, if I wear my Lincoln one that I can tell somebody about Sutton. Um, Mm -hmm. and even though I've purchased the shirt, I'm shouting love for her by telling her story. Right. Um, and that's a big deal. Yeah. Or you can even tell the part of the story that how it's also benefiting Riker and how these two moms didn't know each other before this month. And now the community that's come out of it is just insane. There's, um, moms who meet each other from halfway across, well, not the world, I guess all the way across the country. Right. Um, they're talking to each other now because of go shall love. And there's a community, a real community that's forming. And I just want more people to be a part of it because it's a very real tangible thing. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I think for me, when I um, put a shirt on, it's a reminder that um, even though, you know, we we had a month devoted to telling the story of of this family or these, you know, three or four families, um, and then just the reality of, of what we do, the next month we shift that focus onto a new family. We still, you know, provide key updates and and share things from those, those past families. But Mm -hmm. what I'm reminded of when I put those shirts on, especially from previous months that aren't, you know, currently part of our day-to-day social media, um, channels, uh, is that the realities that they face, even though we're not working with them every day now, their realities are still their realities. Like For their sure. challenges are still there. And so to, for me, it's just this reminder of, yes, we're, we're moving on and telling this next family, but last month's family and the month before that, like their story still matters. The, the challenges they face still matter. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a reminder to me to be, uh, open to seeing the world around me and, uh, you know, where are the Riker and Sutton's, um, that I'm going to witness today here in Springfield or where, you know, you might witness in Overland park. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a, it's definitely a, I think we've uh, said before one, I don't remember which mom said it, 
but she she mentioned how seeing somebody wearing the shirt of their month was like a virtual hug. Right. That's Greece. every time yeah. she saw it. Yeah. Um, and I, I keep on picturing being out and about someday and seeing somebody that I don't know wearing a go shout love shirt. Yeah. I can't wait for that moment Yeah, because I, it's like, we both are giving this hug to somebody that needs it. Yep. Yep. Well, man, Hey, I'm incredibly thankful for you and for the work that you do for go shout love. Um, and, Thank uh, you. I'm uh, excited to see where the next days take us, and hopefully we get to keep uh, shouting love and and uh, telling more stories of families on rare medical journeys together. I was thinking soon we need to start selling Go Shout Love dressers, you know, in case <laughs> um, or cabinets or whatever. In case are are you do you have too many T-shirts or is your closet too full? Well, here's this closet now. organizers branded. Closet here's your organizers. Go Shout Love closet organizer, complete with a cup holder for your Go Shout Love coffee. There mug. you go. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a good idea. Maybe we'll maybe we'll work that in the next year. Good, because I have other products we should talk about <laughs> offline. The uh, the patented back scratcher, Go Shout Love back scratcher. Oh, okay. I'll mark that one off. <laughs>I hope you enjoyed getting to meet Seth. He's an amazing asset to our team, and we are incredibly lucky to have him. We are about halfway through a month of shouting love for Riker and Sutton from Lincoln, Nebraska. Both of these kiddos are incredible as they face extremely tough, rare medical journeys without a treatment or a cure. In meeting these families and hearing their stories, our team knew that the focus of our November t-shirts needed to be a call for all of us to recognize the power of each moment to really embrace the idea of taking nothing for granted. And so the Moments Matter t-shirt for November is just that, a reminder of how precious life is and a call to make the most of every moment. So head over to our website now at goshout.love to make a purchase. Anything you buy through the shop will support Riker and Sutton. Um, So whether that's a t-shirt or a hat or a mug, any item that you purchase will help them. You could also start a monthly t-shirt subscription where you can support new families just like Riker and Sutton every month. And as a special offer for new subscribers, you can save $5 off your first order using the discount code PODCAST at checkout. Again, save $5 on your first subscription order using the discount code PODCAST at checkout. Thanks again for listening and for joining us on this uh, journey of shouting love. We're incredibly grateful for your support in everything that you do to help these families feel the love and support that they deserve. We'll talk to you soon.